how do you stay sort of very calm? I don't know. I can't even explain to people how insanely stressful it is. And then you don't have just one stressful situation at the time. Sometimes it happens that you have multiple. It could be three or five at various sort of categories of insanity. You're listening to People Building Businesses. My name is Jason Lim. Thanks so much for jumping on the podcast today. As well as being your host, I'm the Chief of Staff at YBF Ventures. YBF is a tech innovation hub with spaces in Melbourne and Sydney. We help startups to scale, scale-ups to succeed, and corporates to innovate. You can find out more at ybfventures.com. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of PauseFest, George Hedden. PauseFest, which started way back in 2010, early, early days, has grown into one of the best festivals in the world. It combines tech, business, creativity, and much, much more. It's also been described as Australia's South by Southwest, Oktoberfest for business, and Woodstock for digital natives. Some great titles to bestow on PauseFest. I'm really excited to find out how it's grown over the past 10 years. I've seen PostFest since the early days, and it's been quite an incredible journey seeing how PostFest has grown into something I'm sure much more and much bigger than George has envisioned from the start. We'll also look ahead to Post 2020, which takes place in February. George, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on here. Yeah. So my first question, where, where does that creativity and sense for design come from do you think it's something that you were born with or was that something that you developed over time as you went through different careers and explored different things for some reason i keep having these images and they come back to me when i was a kid and my mom drew a face of um one of the sort of the godfather of Serbian alphabet, basically. Uh, and and I just saw that image come to life. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. And for a kid, it was amazing. Um, and I just kind of, I, I guess I liked that you can just be like creative like that. I don't know. For that, that image kind of got stuck. Right. Uh, another reason why... I feel like I've gone into creative is I'm as a kid, I was also really, and this is again, my mom says, you really wanted to kind of get people together and you want them to kind of like play. And if they need to leave, you kind of cried and they, they just want, <laughs> just want yeah. people to be like having fun. Um, maybe you haven't, but you just wanted them to have fun. And so that kind of translated in me, uh, being creative and then kind of loving music and becoming a DJ and then throwing parties. And of course, part of the whole thing was promotions. So I kind of got into, so first it was this image that I've seen mom does. And then I was like, oh, well, I need to then communicate that somehow. I was also a big fan of magazines. I was like, I want to do magazines and then promotions. And then I somehow landed into, into design uh, because of love for those details and um, aesthetics and how things relate to it themselves in a sort of on a paper around us. And I don't know, yeah, that's kind of like I feel what sort of led me to 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 design as a career. Sure. And you mentioned that that image that your mom drew being a Serbian alphabet or something like that yeah Did, were you born in serbia yeah, yeah i was born in serbia okay uh what was what was life growing up in serbia like it was okay until a certain point and then it just kind of went oh this is wild west <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> define wild west <laughs> well it was um uh, i was a very small when things were kind of nice uh and then <clears throat> that the president Tito sort of passed away and then things sort of started going 
downhill. Um, and I think I was four at that point, um, and that might have been 89. Um, and then there was this kind of famous break of Yugoslavia sort of that happened and then civil war and all this sort of stuff. We weren't as affected uh, personally, but yeah, per people went to, to, to war and people died. Uh, not, not a f you know, funny place. But then on the other side, other people who were just kind of <clears throat> caught amongst it might have just kind of partied a lot and did a lot of other things. Right. Because what else do you do? Sort of like an act of rebellion or something yeah, I like mean, that. I've, I've heard, well, so, and, and then I sort of left later, later on, but then I've heard from my friends who, who stayed there. It's like, what do you do in a country that is kind of like affected by the war? You have sex. Hmm. That's what you do. Right. It's a great pickup line. End of the days. <laughs> it's, it was very funny when they told me that, but... I mean, yeah, that's that's it was it was it was tough. It's still it's better now, but it, it was very tough to there was no not much opportunities. Everything is kind of um, driven by the politics and which party you're in. And and it, it was just very, very difficult. And just growing up there and just kind of like, this is not my country. Why am I born here? Um, it was very difficult. And um, yeah. Um, our upbringing, it was also a little bit, maybe different. <clears throat> Mom was an entrepreneur and she, she ran a, she ran a business and, um, yeah, my, my father was doing his own thing. Um, let's just describe it like that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, I mean, at what point did you move to Australia then? Well, there was a point in, in, uh, our lives where I think, because of the private sort of um, issues that that we had as a family, and particularly my mom with her sort of partner and that whole whole thing, which is could be another podcast in itself, even movie. Um, <laughs> there you go. I did for a movie. <laughs> Let's do a movie about it. Um, she's gone through a lot of things. Um, she was kind of a, a, almost at the end of the days, and she's like, "I need to escape somewhere." And um, Australia kind of came up as as an opportunity. So she came here, and um, she installed herself here. And then um, myself came a year or two years after, and then my sister. Um, and that's a short version. Sure. What did moving to Australia do for you, uh, both personally and from a creative standpoint? For me, what it represented is opportunity. I was, oh, well, and this is again your first question. When I get that set on certain things in my life, I just kind of try to give it a shot, good shot. Now, Serbia for me, of course, I was born there, had a great time, great friends. I tried to do things. Opera operating system of that country is a different to my personal operating system, my iOS. So when I came here, um, I was like, okay, well now there's opportunity for me to do what I want the way I want right. it. And I'm going to give myself opportunity to, to be who I am because over there I couldn't, there's all these difficulties around. So, um, I wanted to go to university. I applied, got through second, time not the first time which is okay that's I all got, right got to work for a year um and then i got, and i got into design because i wanted to go into design now we could my family could not send me to well, there wasn't actually design school in serbia it was kind of like a fine arts type of thing um and it was too expensive and i we couldn't go i couldn't go and i was in, i was not in a capital city and all that was happening in a capital city so now i was like well stuff all this I'm going to do this no matter how much it costs. This is my life. This is what I want to do. I want to give it a shot, see if I'm good at it. And that's what it represented to me. It, it was a great opportunity to do what I want with my life. And you studied communications from Swinburne University. Is that right? Yeah, it's called like it was they did, that year they changed into it's a graphic design, visual communication. Okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's a more accurate description. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, basically, it's it's a graphic design. We did, but we did get put through an interesting sort of, uh, I think, model where the first year we were surrounded by a lot of different creative people. So it wasn't just 
designers. It was uh, uh, product designers, interior designers, uh, graphic designers, multimedia. Back then it was multimedia design. Um, so we were all kind of like together. Uh, and then from second year, you would kind of go into whatever you feel is better for you. And I kind of stuck with the graphic design. Sure. Amazing. And you've had a crazy career since then. Uh, we did a bit of research into your some of your, the past things you've done. And <laughs> it seems like you've had also quite an international career. So, you know, graphic designer at Studio Studio Ecuador. Um, Equator? Equator. Equator, yeah. yep. Uh, um, in Melbourne, you became a freelance graphic designer with Puma, Sony PS2, BBC in London. Yeah. Uh, went back to Serbia to be the art director at Leo Burnett Advertising. Um, and you've since gone through a, a bunch of different careers. What what led you down the path of such an international career after landing in Melbourne? Why didn't you just stay in one place? I love my, my, my uni days, but... Uh, I've gone into uni after, well, usually you go to uni, I don't know what, whatever year of age you are, like 17, 18, yep. something Around like that. There, yeah. I was like 20 when I got, cause I missed a few things and I came here and I was feeling a little bit older. I mean, there's people going with to uni with 40 and something mm. like that, which is okay. For me, that was a, not how I kind of thought universities are you kind of like go anyway so i was a little bit late there <clears throat> um and when i just finished it i just kind of i loved it but i was poor i just wanted to make some money sure yeah. <laughs> I, just wanted, I mean basic human motivation sure. yeah i was yeah. just like okay cool i got this now i need to get some money so i can actually live and do the things that i other things that i want to do and I just kind of had this in my head, like, I need to go away from Australia. I need to go somewhere else. I need to travel. I want to travel. I haven't traveled since I came here. And it's been like eight years. Oh, my God. Like, I need to do something with, my, with that. And then I went to London um, with, with a thousand pounds. Uh, wow. That's all. Not knowing anyone. And I stayed there for two years. Wow. And I got to work with these companies. Uh, and... It was a very interesting place and time, and I've learned a lot. I've actually learned in London to kind of respect the the, the money and what sort of time equals money means, because I didn't kind of get that here, didn't get that sort of in Serbia, definitely, but in London, kind of it felt like the air you breathe is costing you money. Right. You know, you leave the door, it you already kind of put some money out. You know, it's just kind of, you just feel like it's uh, costing you everywhere you turn. Um, and then you kind of understand, oh, well, if I, depending how I behave, I could kind of earn or not earn sort of, anyway, it was, it was a really great experience for me. And then, yeah, going back to Serbia for three months and then staying three years and then missing, missing Melbourne because I was like, I, I just wanted to go for two years, but it's five years now. And um, the, yeah, global economics sort of were not sort of working out at that time. And uh, there was a recession, but it wasn't in Australia. And it was a perfect timing for me to come back. Sure, yeah. Um, so you ended up back here in Australia and you took up the role as a senior art director at Helsinki Agency. Yeah. And during that time, that was when you you came up with the idea of of PauseFest. What was your original idea behind PauseFest, and what was the inspiration for you to to go? You know, hey, there's a need in the market to do this, and I'm going to do it. It was it was very personal. It was my need. Um, I was because I went uh, for five years. I wasn't here. I lost a lot of connections. A lot of people. Some people, you know. You'll, you you kind of go to university a uh, university that's international and some some of them go back to their countries um, others get married they do different things with their life so I came back I was like I, I where's my friends what's going on and so there was idea that how about we start kind of getting a people with a similar groups and interests together and we just kind of yeah spend some time and talk and drink and Hopefully some things happen yep. from there. So 
there was no meetups back then. But again, the way the lens that I was looking things at, maybe because I was coming from Europe at that after after being there is like, well, I'm a creative, love design, I love uh, animation, I love interactivity, I love gaming, I love all this stuff. How about all these people come together? That was the kind of idea and the original meaning of pause was moment in time when we get together. Right. And it still is. We come together to share what we've built, what we created, and celebrate that success. And it was initially a, a one-night interactive, immersive, and sort of visual event, right? It didn't start out as this big <laughs> festival thing. No, you did your uh, homework well. Special shout out to our producer, uh, <laughs> Joe Harrington, who's at the side here too. Amazing. Um, yeah, no, pause was meant to be a party. Sure. It was going to be one-night party where... I was actually inspired by some other sort of exhibition, um, Sydney Biennale, that I went, some Russian sort of artists, they kind of had projections on every wall, and I'm like, I want that. I want that kind of a party. It's interactive, it's immersive, and it was meant to be a Docklands, and we got the massive space, and we were like, how am I going to build this sort of stuff? But at that point, we were like, no, no. We, we, we Thank you for giving us this venue but we'll just spend all this money that we have into marketing and try to find other smaller venues that um could let us sort of deliver it but it was meant to be one night correct interactive visual stimulation sort of party that you know people come and experience and 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 that's done but no <laughs> so at what point did it really change from a one night event to you know, this massive festival that we know it today. I mean, today you rent out, you know, Fed Square and all these different large locations to do to do Pause Fest. But what was the turning point? Well, I'd say the first three years of Pause existence was kind of like as a kid trying to figure out who you are, like, and how does this world relate to you and who are you talking to and who are your what's your audience and who are you what's your identity we did said something at the beginning but we just didn't know what that was meant to be it was it was we knew we were gathering amazing creative people that wanted that created amazing things and we got some amazing speakers uh, even in a second year you know creative director of vimeo flew over and some wow amazing People from Germany that created sort of cameras that kind of stand on a, on a, on a robotic arms, the first in the world. They came here and we we're like, oh, my God. Well, <clears throat> that was another thing. We got such an interesting traction with 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 the market and a lot of global uh, as well. Companies wanted to come here because we were representing this new kind of um, futuristic vibe of business. Hey, let's innovate and let's do things differently. Um, because that was what we kind of wanted to do, but we didn't know how to make a business out of it. And at that point, was there no one else in Australia doing what PauseFest was doing? I don't think there was. And I don't think there is now either, but it's, it's more that we put things together in a way that they would probably usually stand alone. Sure, yeah. So there are things out there that are similar, and there are obviously elements of, of, of that that they're standalone, but we kind of somehow package it and curate it in a way that, well, here's this. Um, it's a pack. And it's, yeah, we spend a lot of time and care on that these days. Back then, again, <clears throat> putting together interactivity, motion graphics, animation, visual effects, gaming, all that was not really the thing. I think that that's what kind of sparked the interest of the of the people here is like, oh, it's something new, something different. We were talking to the demo and we were also talking to the demographics that haven't been talked to. No one have was talking to the and these because we started with a lot of animation, visual effects, and motion graphics. And these guys are super passionate about what they do, about their craft. They're super geeky too, because it's, it's, it's a very technical kind of space. And I had no clue about it. This is another thing. 
I got stuck because I love animation. I have no idea how to make it myself. But then I started so, to understand these people and who they are and what they love and started bringing a lot more speakers that love the craft, love the sort of making. And so we kind of like really, that, were, uh, that, were, that was our beginning. We were into craft. We were into sort of the passion of making things and how do you make it the best that you can. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want to hear more interviews like this, subscribe to People Building Businesses on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. Now let's go back to our chat with George Hedden. How would you initially reach out to these people in the early days? Because, you know, in the early days, you're still trying to make a brand out of PostFest and, you know, people might not know it as well as they do today. How did you reach out to those initial content creators or initial thought leaders and to get them onto the stage at PostFest? Easy. <laughs> Easy for you. How did I come here? Easy. You just reach yeah. out. It's like, hey, I'm here. Was it as simple as that? It's easy like that. Yeah. Right. Wow. So I've maybe been lucky that because I'm a designer and I love to present things in a nice way and everything was so presentable, even from the very first event and people thought that's the thing you know like if you present yourself well and you have amazing well back then we thought we had an amazing website and we had all these sort of things and it was looking great there was a good branding there's all these kind of people there's a lot of buzz and and people look at it and i was like hmm, yeah kind of get that you know if if that's sort of first gut feeling that you get from it and then you speak to the people and Reaching to some people was easy, but reaching to some other sort of companies was terribly hard. Mm. So not everything is easy, but what I've done over the years is, well, it's a long game. Yeah, festival is a long game. It's like it's, it's, there's no short win. So like, okay, cool, you can't come this year. How about next year or the year after or three years after? I'm not going to stop. So you were confident that you were going to do it year after year, even in those early days. I just, I was like, this needs to happen. This needs to succeed. And in the early days, I was working in advertising, the Helsinki that you mentioned, for four years uh, before I actually left the place and started kind of, well, living of of the festival itself. And that's been now, I think, five years ago mm. um and so i had a kind of so the safety net of well i'm working and this is my passion i'm spending money a lot of money on this passion project which is kind of okay but once you deep into something you can walk away from it but you, you then also go well i've invested a lot of money and a lot of time i don't want to see it dissolve and so you kind of keep on putting, well, this is me. You keep putting more money, more time until it goes somewhere. And you don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but that's the feeling. That's the trap. Was there a turning point where you kind of went, okay, now I'm ready to, to get out of Helsinki to do this full time. Was there a catalyst for that? Uh, yeah, there was. Well, there was a c couple of things. First, they kicked me out <laughs> because like, we don't need design anymore. Yeah. You know, in our company, we don't kind of care about, well, we don't have enough design projects for you. And I'm like, okay, all right. But at the same time, I was waiting for city of Melbourne to give us this grant that we applied for. And we didn't get the grant. Right. I got kicked out. And at the same time, I had people working at my, my, my home while I was going to work. And so it was this crazy sort of thing. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I was just, I just needed that little nudge, just a little, little bunch of money to just have a little bit more security. Cause you know, you're going to bridge this gap between this side and that side. And I just needed that. And it wasn't there. And I'm like, okay, this is end of the days. It's hard. Uh, it's hard. And I had to do some freelance work and luckily I got some, a pretty good 
paid freelance work at a time to help me bridge that sort of gap. And I did and sort of managed the, the year after. And I know when that gap is, and it is around this time, <laughs> this right. time in the, in the year when this, usually this gap, it's like, well, you haven't, you know, you haven't sold enough tickets. You haven't been paid by the sponsors enough. Then you kind of need this in between. It's, it's a different uh, in the last few years for us, but in the early days, that's kind of the gap. And after first year, oh, maybe, maybe the second year, a little bit of freelancing, it was okay. Um, but it, 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 I wanted to jump and then just kind of, <laughs> you got thrown off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, I've been thrown. No soft like, landing, no parachute. You just kind of got <laughs> no, pushed off. Yeah, I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready just now. And then just <laughs> and like flat down. Yep. And I was like, okay, cool. Right. Let's get up and keep walking. That's awesome. And, you know, you were quoted somewhere. I'm not sure where. You said, we have a year to create it. And if you get it wrong, we're dead. Hmm. And that sort of highlights the, the pressure you were under while you were building PostFest. And, you know, you mentioned at the start of the podcast, or before we started this podcast, that it was all about passion, the word passion. Uh, what about PostFest brings out that passion in you? Is it still the same as in the early days when you just wanted to, you know, get people together to celebrate creative design? Or has it evolved since then? <clears throat> it became more complex. Yeah. From from the project, like it's it's a pretty huge project a year. I get paid once a year, so imagine that. Um, just budgeting for that, uh, and then budgeting for the entire project, and just kind of. I'm also very excited, and although I'm a designer, I'm actually stuck in spreadsheets right now, and I actually kind of <laughs> like it in a way, which is bizarre. I never thought I'll do that, but I'm, I'm kind of having my hands like that because it's it's a full year, and then we have to develop a process and milestones of what we need to hit throughout the year. And so I'm very excited to see things unfold. Right. And I'm kind of, it's bizarre. And, and then I see how things kind of progress and how the project is delivered and what happens when you bring the new branding and what happens when you sort of announce the speakers and what happens when you kind of have a launch and awards and then how, people behave um, at the event and how like I'm, I'm kind of really excited about all that just the experience right of bringing the entire thing uh, and obviously making sure that everything is is ticking where it needs to because then it will cause it'll cause things to to move in a way that you might not want to kind of yeah it's all about uh, the journey it's all about the journey and then every single thing on it it needs to be kind of like hitting its spot so that it all sort of comes and goes and so hopefully hits that sort of target that we sort of want it and that's a, a great segue to my next question which is you know for people that don't know what's involved in putting a festival together it seems like there's a billion moving parts to get this thing running smoothly. Mm. What does it look like from a logistics point of view to organize a festival? I'd say you need to start small to kind of kind of get the small thing and then just make it complex and complex. Because originally I had one stage and it was like six to eight, maybe 12 speakers. And then I was like, the year after I'm like, well, how about we do three stages? So you just add on more and more as yeah, you go. Yeah, and just and 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 then like and what's the what's the logic logistical complication around that? Well, just three times this whole thing, but it's 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 easy. Like, look at this paper; it's just like just there. You just need to kind of like take care of this over there. But we'll do all these spreadsheets. Um, it's a little bit of naivety and a little bit too kind of like and, and pushing things. Uh, so we understand that Pause runs in a smaller team than most festivals of a similar size. Mm. And that, to me, speaks to the importance of having the right team in place. Mm. How do you find the right people to come along with you on this journey and to help out with Pause Fest? Yeah. This could be another podcast session in itself. It is very hard. I'm not, not going to pretend it is amazing because we are so small we're independent we are not financed by anyone apart from what we sort of earn uh from the event 
we haven't got to the point even still after 10 years where we can actually afford a proper team. So, uh, I mean, I got to do 10 different jobs and all this sort of stuff. And I'm sort of okay with that, but it does put a lot of pressure on a team and the people. Uh, and even for what we can, sort of resources that we have, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. So finding someone who is really passionate about bringing people together, working in a super stressful environment, which are festival or advertising, festivals even, even more, and then kind of like being able to execute, it's super hard. I, I wish I have an answer. How do you do it? Because I change team every year. Right. Okay. Yeah. It is. I have not found a stable team every year. It's because we, we were not employing full time, full year. It's just very seasonal. And what people think about it's a cool festival. Yes, it is. It's a lot of hard work. And it's a lot of logistics, a lot of details, a lot of things. And they might find that that's not for them after all. Or they've ticked it off their list and they move forward. Yeah. Uh, or they just come for contacts and, you know, good times. I've got all sorts of sort of uh, stories and some not so nice ones and some really good ones. But it is very difficult. And over the years, I've I've sort of, yeah, I understand how much the great team can actually help you move forward and how it can actually set you back. Well, this just highlights the pressure that you're personally under as a founder and CEO of PostFest to make this thing work. And I guess the question there is, how do you stay so calm under that immense pressure? What do you do to have a clear head to actually make this thing work, even when your team's changing year on year and as you know, all the logistics and variables change around you? Yeah. It, 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 I, I can't even... <clears throat> I can't even describe to people how much pressure and stress and there is in this, uh, especially for, uh, because I don't have co-founders anymore. So it's just me. I don't have, I don't have anyone to share things with load or stress or, you know, happiness and joy and all this sort of stuff. I do have a team, uh, the way I do it. I do have a great team that is uh, not permanent. These are the guys that are, we call programmers, and there's such an amazing joy to work with, uh, and they help with the program a lot. Uh, and some of them been around for anywhere five and seven years. So some of them stick, stuck around for a while, but they're not employed by us. They come in and help out, tell us, their opinions and um, vote on who should be speaking and they help out at the, on a day, but there's someone that needs to be in the office to actually execute all these sort of things. That's tremendous help. How do you stay sort of very calm? Uh, I don't know. I can't even explain to people how insanely stressful it is. And then you don't have just one stressful situation at the time. Sometimes it happens that you have multiple it could be three or five at various sort of categories of of of, of insanity uh, for example this year we had sort of issues with the venue uh, we had to move from one venue then we got the, got to that venue we were super happy after five months of sort of figuring out things and signing contracts then to figure out that we have to move to another venue oh geez yeah uh and <clears throat> yeah and so stuff that kind of goes with that. And, th and that's just happening in the background whilst you kind of doing a few other things and chasing 200 different people. I don't know. I, I would, um, I do go to yoga. I do go to spa and saunas and massages and I do everything I need to do to calm myself and my body go go for walks and deep breaths for some reason i can't do meditation hmm. too many thoughts in your head 
Well, I do it through through yoga or swimming. Yeah. Uh, But I sometimes I've done it when I go to holiday, for example, I'll sit on a beach and I'm like, okay, like I'm just sort of do a little bit of meditation, but I can't do it here for some reason. I can't get into the rhythm of it. But you do everything you need to do to calm yourself, uh, for sure. And looking forward into the future of pause and into the future of yourself in pause, have you thought about ways to reduce that stress by you know growing the team or just putting together new processes in place or anything like that? Yeah, every year I start with a sort of like uh, all these amazing things I'm going to fix. And it just doesn't work like that. You know, um, some things work and other things just don't. And moving forward, yes, we would love to have a few more people. We would love to have a pretty solid uh, solid team and support. But knowing, knowing what's, what takes to build that, it is more people attending, more sponsors sort of sponsoring. That's going to help us be more sustainable and kind of actually have a normal sort of uh, more normal let's say more normal because it's not nothing is normal with festival but it's a more normal sort of more sort of normal sort of team that can sort of deliver the next level sure of the event you you said once that pause is never static it's ever-changing it reflects the current culture society and the fast-paced industry we live in what's your creative process to keep pause fresh year on year it seems easy to just go back and replicate the same thing from last year, but how do you how do you evolve it over time? Yeah, well, this is another thing that we kind of that I've said. Um, if we want to be current, we need to be cutting edge. We need to be delivering the new things year on year. The easiest thing would be to have a cookie cutter event, and this is how it runs, and this is what we're going to deliver, and sort of you just sort of change. Um, some speakers, but to me, that's not what we are about. I kind of set some different kind of standards and different kind of event that I wanted this to be. And we try to outdo ourselves every year. Um, how do we do it? Uh, well, we kind of like really need to see what's going around you in the industry. We do have people applying to speak. Mm-hmm. So we, we get to see what their ideas are, who are they, where they're from. Um, there's this amazing team that I have. We sit together and we read every single entry. Wow. Yeah, that we, we got 800, over 800 entries this year for probably just around 200 that we could cater for. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot to read. And what we're really looking when sort of curating is this ideas that you can't Google, something that it's special, um, something that's engaging. Then we look where it's from, who is it, can they deliver it, is this a sales pitch, how valuable would this be from our to our audience, what they can get from it. And so, and we also, I mean, we like repeating sometimes speakers, but it is a little bit harder to get the speaking slot because we do really think about five steps. What is this topic? Is this relevant? Who's it from? Can they deliver it? Are they engaging? Can people learn from it? Uh, it's not just like, oh, here's someone they want to speak. Let's do it. Um, but we also want to celebrate those that actually have done amazing job here. Um, and there's been more and more sort of in Australia, amazing startups and companies that, that do a great job. And I go around the world hunting for some speakers and make friends and kind of trying to invite them to Australia. It's, it's a long uh, flight. So I do what I can <laughs> and a lot of them would have come, want to come, but some, some just cannot, or, you know, we have some companies like like Google, for example, they want to keep sending us people, which is yeah. amazing. I love, I love the way you described it. Uh, things you can't Google. Yeah, that's a great description of why anyone should go to a festival. <laughs> yeah, because for us is like we want you to teach you skills. We want you to hear something that you haven't heard before. We want you to when you come. So this is why we are not. I feel not the same. We don't want people or speakers that have their sort of 
you know, keynotes ready to roll out. We don't also pay for speakers, you know. Yeah. Um, some people criticize us for us, but we are a community festival. We are not in a business of paying someone's fees to come and speak, unfortunately, and we can't afford it. We are, again, a, a festival, a community that's helping everyone else be better at what they are, who they are, and their businesses. And if you fit within that and you want to sort of come and join us and help others, that's what we kind of value. That's great. That that feeling of communal, you know, help, that, that feeling of communal togetherness, um, that feeling of helping your fellow attendee. That's not something you can get from just watching a YouTube video of someone speaking about a particular topic or anything. You have to be there in person to yeah. really be a part of that. Yeah, plus we are also encouraging um, 100% all of our internationals to stay all three day, and they do, and engage with the audiences. Incredible. They also go to, to the sessions, they also go to workshops, and all other speakers stay. We don't want parachutes. I mean, one of the reasons why we changed the ticket types and we don't have any more one days and two days, okay. any of that, because we want people to engage. It's all about the engagement engagement in, in the end for us, because uh, we created this amazing space. Um, and we believe that if you if you're there, if you if you come to to speak to people, that's what magic happens. Awesome. Uh, so you held the 2020 program launch here at YBF Ventures in our ballroom. It was an awesome night, and you did a really cool thing, the, the Pause Awards. Uh, talk to us about the Pause Awards. What's it all about? We, uh, I wanted to have awards from the sort of first year. But awards are um, uh, a great money-making mechanism. Uh, involves a lot of um, work, too. And so, again, put my head on. It's like, how do I make this... Um, easy for us so we don't add another mountain of work and we've been sort of we've been thinking this is actually literally going for years and then last year we were like okay to cut all these masses of work how about we just find companies that we see that are doing extremely well and we just award them and we just cut this like nominations and payments and things and we just sort of link it to the festivals like we would love to recognize you for being awesome and we'll give you a couple of tickets to come to pause and we'll give you the trophy and yeah let's make the trophy kind of really nice so it's not a st sticky and pointy kind of thing let's make it a rainbow because people love rainbows uh, <laughs> And that's how it happened, basically. So the f last year was the first year where we rolled it out. And um, it's a kind of a split mix of emotions where people are like, oh, wow, amazing, love it. And some people are like, who nominated me? What's going on? And some other people are like, is this a spam, scam? What's what, like... I, yeah. I'm not gonna. Pay, I'm not paying anything. It's like no, no, no. We're just giving you this because we think you're amazing. Yeah. Um, and so every year there is like a, maybe one or two. That they're like, I'm not touching anything. <laughs> I've never said it. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll just send it to you, and you can. You'll just mail it to them. Mail it. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. No, we we just kind of we're a festival of giving, so we love to give. Uh, good vibes and congratulate the people. And we have some pretty amazing names for the awards. It's not your standard awards. Uh, the Hammer Award for nailing it. Mm. I, I wish I've done that award or Big Mouth for media cut through. Yep. Uh, but also, you know, the community champions and that, stuff like that. All of the awards are based on impact in the community and the business and the industry. So, we don't really have awards for beautiful, this, best of that, and we don't really care. We really care about what is your impact on a society, on a community, and how can you help sure. others? And one of our previous guests from the podcast, uh, Dom Pim from UpBank, actually yes. won an award yes. during the Pause Awards as well, which yes. is really cool. He seemed pretty excited about that. Dom is actually doing incredible work. And I went to his um, uh, first year 
birthday and I thought it was second year birthday. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys yeah. done a lot of work in one year. In one it year. feels like two. Um, he's just amazing. Yeah, what the product that he's built and the, the, the culture and what they're doing is very, very applaudable. That's awesome. So looking forward, 2020, what does past 2020 look like? And you know, who are you looking forward to seeing on stage for past 2020? Mm, that's a very difficult question for me. Um, <laughs> you can share whatever you can share. <laughs> uh, well, it's not that. It's just like there's a lot going on. And um, I kind of just kind of get my, my head into it sort of a few weeks before. Uh, but most, m most likely what's going to happen is I'm going to miss every single presentation. <laughs> I actually do not go to almost anything. I just pop in and out from um, keynotes. I could be introducing a speaker here and there. Uh, I'll be doing probably my own things in Facebook Lives and stuff like that. And, and so I don't really get to see a lot. Uh, but... Um, I am excited about um, Adidas is coming to to pause this Very year. Cool, yeah. The global head of sports science. Wow. Um, yeah, Paul is going to be talking about all the innovations that they do uh, at Adidas, and you know, creating the shoe from uh, water plastic and you know, water dissolvable shoe and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, which is very exciting for us. Um, then on the other sort of side, there's um, Holly. Uh, he's done rebranding for most of tech companies like Dropbox and Slack, and there's a long list of them. Uh, so just kind of really understanding how he built his company from 2014, kind of like a bedroom into like, Five years later, like rebranding every major tech. That's incredible. Kind of company. That's amazing. And then having sort of uh, offices in, in few different cities from Reykjavik uh, wow. to, yeah. to, yeah, to, to um, San Francisco. Um, and there's some, there's some companies that we haven't had before. Um, I'd say, panels this year are phenomenal in terms of who the caliber of of speakers and seniority and companies i can just maybe leak a couple of them because we haven't announced anything yet but it's coming in november uh patagonia will be p at pause and mercedes-benz and mastercard and um there's some really interesting um, yeah, conversations and we're going to have two, two rooms for, for workshops this year. And then um, that's, that's very exciting for us because that's very practical sort of skills. And they're going to be smaller, 30 people, not more than that. And what's also super exciting for me, actually, I, I, th I feel like because what happened up until this point is we were curating the conference. This is three different stages firing off at the same time, but 200 speakers and kind of we sort of done that. And I'm like, this is kind of done. Um, now we're moving to a tech garden expo and in there, there's going to be a startup stage. So now what I'm currently excited about is like curating that there's going to be a set of pitches there. Uh, different formats. There's this new format that we sort of playing with called walking talks. It started this year at the event with uh, Sergio doing uh, waking walks, um, uh, which is basically a speaker taking about 10 people outside, uh, outside for talks. And it's kind of like you're talking and you're walking and discussing ideas and that sort of stuff. So we love that format. And we're going to sort of work on that and, and, and get some of the big speakers to extend their conversations into more walking talks and maybe kind of put some new conversations in. So there's a the new bunch of um, programming things that need to happen uh, still for us. And that's sort of, um, I think, very exciting. Very cool. For um, me. 
last question for you before we wrap up this podcast. If people wanted to find out more about Pause, whether it's being a speaker or being a sponsor or even attending, what should they do? They should definitely go to our website, uh, pausefest.com.au. Uh, we've um, this year in particular uh, created a few more pages that could help them understand um, why they should attend, um, who's coming, uh, what other people that attended said. Um, there's a lot of resources online and uh, on our socials. They could stay uh, up, up to date with everything. Our newsletter. Um, it's a lot of videos like from from here with today actually we just released um a video from a launch party here cool uh, awesome you guys did it as well but we we finally sort of did our version as well amazing uh so there's a bunch of these things there's there's a lot of other podcasts that we filmed from um from this year's event that kind of hit every month and and yeah, if, if, you, if you're thinking you don't know what sort of tickets are you, there's also a page for every ticket that will explain what you're going to get from it and why you should attend. Because again, every ticket is geared towards different type of personality with different kinds of behaviors and different types of um, expectations. Put it that way. We don't have ticket. Oh, go to go to event. Yeah, we kind of want to really bespokely build this ticket just for you. So if you're a leader, you're gonna get a little bit more. If you explore and just kind of want to check it out, it'll get a little less, but still kind of enjoy the entire event. And if you're a startup, creator ticket is for you, but you need to apply. We need to know that you're really a startup, and because it's a drastically or sort of reduced rate, we want to sort of help you out come into conversations with all these other businesses and brands and 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 that, that that would help your business and investors that will help your business grow so there's a different kinds of tickets and there's explanation online about all of those who should why and how uh, it's all there Awesome. Well, thank you, George. This has been a, a great podcast. Loved learning more about you, about your creative process and about pause. So thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. 